When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Has Pellegrini's bubble burst? And welcome to the Real Football Cast. I'm your host, Dan Tracy, and in the next 60 minutes, I'll once again be dissecting through all the hot topics in football. As you should know by now, the aim is to separate all the football in the week from the chaff, as on this episode, we look back on the fourth weekend of the Premier League season. Thankfully, I'm not going to be doing it alone, so there's no need to worry that you'll be stuck with yours truly for the next hour. Joining me tonight, I have one real football man, and he'll be running the channels up front on his own. I'm joined by JS, and he runs the excellent Football City website. He was off scouting last week, so it's great to have you back on board once more. And as per usual, I hope you've watched as much football as humanly possible. I have, Daniel Tracy. How are you? Yeah, good, mate, good. I mean, um, it'd be better if Tottenham had won against Watford, but you can't have it all, can you? You know, there's been plenty of other football news to, uh, to talk about, and we will talk about Spurs in a bit, but... Um, I'm at the age where I try not to let football ruin my weekend should Spurs lose. And thankfully, I'm also <laughs> in an era where Spurs don't lose that much. So if it was 10 years ago, my weekends would be sort of ruined all the time. But, um... I, I, I agree <laughs> on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you know what? Funnily enough, actually, I think we looked, I think we looked okay the other day. Um, I, I, I'm not actually too worried. I, th- I think sort of conceding two set-piece goals... Whilst not ideal, I think it slightly skewed skewed the result and how we're viewing it quite a bit. Do you, do you know what I mean? I, I actually think we look in quite good shape, actually. Yeah, I think it's a case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, isn't it, when Tottenham lose? I think with everything <laughs> that's sort of happened in the off-season and then it's you know there's no signings and we lose and it's just that sort of momentum that was just being, being built up after mm. and, you know all these off off-pitch sort of sagas and it was actually yeah, it was like you know we're in a good good place and getting into a good place for the international break but then it all but we but, but then we normally start slow I mean even the season I don't know if I can't remember if it was last year or the season before we lost to United on the opening day so I, I, I wouldn't put money on it but I bet we've got more points after four games than we probably either ever have or close to it you know? Yeah, you're probably right. And I said last night, actually, that if I was to offer you nine points at the start of the season with the fixtures that we had, you'd yeah. probably take it, wouldn't you? It's just Be- the fact definitely. that we've, we've beaten Man United and lost to Watford. So we, we're on par, if not yeah. probably above or under par, whatever your golfing terminology you want to be. But um, with where we should be points-wise, it's just the the sort of results have frustrated us more, if that makes sense. Because if you yeah, had you lost, I agree. Had you lost to United, you'd be like, well, OK, it was United at home. and. That in itself creates its own frustrations because the narrative would be, okay, well, why can't we win away from home in the big matches, in inverted commas? Yeah, yeah. I think, weirdly, that's kind of even slightly softened how the media have have covered this loss as well, you know? Yeah, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's just not ideal going into the international break, is it? But I best do some social media bits first, otherwise we'll be talking to the abyss once more. So first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at DanTracy1983. 
any listeners' questions, comments or feedback, please send them our way and we will discuss them, I do promise. Twitter is the main place where you can find the show each week. You can also find it at therealfootballcast.com and from there there's all the usual links for all your usual platforms. And later in the week, we are also on YouTube. And that's thanks to last week's announcement. And if you didn't listen to last week's show, why not? But in all seriousness, we've got a sponsor. And I'm delighted to announce that the Real Football Cast is in association with Loserpool. What is Loserpool, I hear you ask? It is a new betting game that is soon to be launched in the UK. However, it's betting turned on its head, as the focus is picking the loser. If this has grabbed your interest, then be sure to visit loserpool.com and create an account. Now being especially the time to do so, as there are 30% off coupons currently available on their site. Right then, that will pay the bills and it's time to go live. First up, we go to the London Stadium, as West Ham go into the international break rock bottom. No points and it seems at the moment no hope. Now JS, I carried out the second of my scientific polls uh, earlier today and I asked whether Pellegrini will be the first man to lose his job this season. So 72 votes were recorded, thanks to everyone who took the time to do so, and it's split Right down the middle, well, it's close to 50-50 it could be without being it, if that makes sense. 51% said no, 49% said yes. So what side of that fence would you be sitting on? Probably just about no, because I, uh, although having said that, that I think the, the board have already given him the dreaded vote of confidence today, haven't they? Yes, you know, that's a milestone, isn't it? After four games, and I, I was thinking how ridiculous that was in... Modern football in general, but that is quite West Ham, isn't it? You know, um, I, again, do you know what? Uh, I think they were. I think they were slightly unlucky. I mean, we have to be honest. That was a very, very even game, um, and lost to what was it like a ninety third, ninety yeah, yeah. Late, late. or something. So I, th- I think that was another one where, where the result was a little bit skewed. Um, I think they made some half-decent signings. I, th- I think once they sort of gel it all together, I think Pellegrini is a decent enough manager. I reckon he'll, I reckon he'll get them ticking. I don't think they're going to set the world alight this year. But, um, you know, that was another one that amused me because we weren't making any signings, we being Spurs, over the summer. And <laughs> I saw half of our fan base who, who love it, half of us who hate it, the half who hates it were like, oh, even West Ham are making loads of good signings. And you're like, are they, though? You know, with a clear head. And clearly, maybe not so much in retrospect. I mean, can you see similarities between this side and Palace last season? Because Palace had an awful start and then rolled the dice and brought in uh, Roy Hodgson. So a lot of mm. people were saying that Frank the Ball sat too early and how can you... Um, yeah, yeah. How can you rate someone after such you know, a little amount of football to be played. So do West Ham pull the trigger themselves? You know, like you said, they've given them the vote of confidence, but that's all very well after four matches, which again is still stupid. But let's say we get to game seven and there's still yeah. zero points in the bank. At what point do you mess <laughs> all right, okay. if, if, if they've literally lost their first seven games and you, you're getting towards pretty much a quarter of the season with no points, then yes. Then I think you have to you'd have to make you'd have to you know swing the axe wouldn't you but i i I think they'll give them two or three more games to get a few points on the board and you know i I think they probably will do it to be honest but you know i don't know i I, it does look bleak um i don't know no i I don't i don't think he will be i I've, i've still got an inkling Mourinho's about two steps away from Cutting his ear off and moving to the south of France, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? I, yeah, th- I, I think it's kind of it. That is such a tinderbox at the moment, isn't it? I reckon I, I've still got an inkling Mourinho is just going to go nuts. And yeah, I mean, if you look at West Ham, the way they've played, it's not necessarily been sort of rank bad. You know, like yeah, they weren't yeah. great against Liverpool, but there were small glimmers and. It wasn't even perhaps a 4-0 defeat, if that makes sense. But you could also look yeah. at the Arsenal game where they bought the shooting boots, they get at least a draw out of that game, and they were very unlucky, or maybe not unlucky, but you know, to lose in the manner No, I, I, I agree. And, and also, you think about it, they have... I mean, you just sort of semi-mention it, but they have had tough games, haven't they? Yeah. You know? 
It's, uh, I mean, even, like, it sounds stupid, really, because you think, like, Wolves at home, that would have been almost the banker before the start of the season. But I, th I think the one that's probably really got people shaking heads probably is still losing at home to Bournemouth, though, isn't it? You know? Yeah, I think that's the one where, really, if, looking at the fixtures they had, they would have thought, right, let's... That's like three points on the board. That will be our first point right. of the season to get us off the mark. And that yeah. didn't happen. It's added more pressure going to the, into the Arsenal game, which is then adding more pressure. Yeah, to, uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. They've got Everton away now. I mean, that's like, to be honest, I don't, I don't think the end's necessarily in sight yet. And then it's Chelsea and then United and then Brighton away. I mean, even the right, so there are away games like Everton, Brighton, Leicester. They're all away games. The home games are Chelsea, United, Spurs. That's an awful that's first pr ten. That's, it's harsh, isn't it? it and is. I, I think it's like, uh, you know, you, you would be thinking they should have probably got a point at the weekends. Bournemouth, they should probably shouldn't have lost that at home. They're the ones you really look at. It's not going to be like any of necessarily of the away games. But you do think with some of the signings they've made, they probably should be making a slightly better fist of it already, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wolves, who they uh, lost to on Saturday, picked up their first win of the season, and it means I hit a yeah. bust in the, the loser pool action, so that was an awful pick in hindsight. I don't know why I picked Wolves to lose at West Ham, but like I say, yeah. hindsight is a wonderful thing. They what, was up... it because I already picked Cardiff? Um, not necessarily. I, I thought that um, because West Ham got their proverbial monkey off the back in the League Cup, I thought that momentum, coupled with a home oh, I tie, see, yeah. I thought, yeah, that's it. They're going to yeah. you know hit their stride now. But what do I know? But Wolves themselves, they picked up five points from the first four matches, yeah. so averaging more yeah. than a point a game. So if you extrapolate that form over the rest of the season, albeit it's a small sample, but they'll be above the 40-point the mark, which most seasons is enough to, to get you over the line. So from what you've seen in the first month, do you get the feeling they're going to be just fine? Oh, I, I, I said at the beginning, I think Wolves will be fine anyway. Uh, I think Wolves and Fulham uh, are both going to be fine this year. Yes, I mean, I think Fulham will probably, I don't know, if you were to pick a number, I think 14th, 15th would probably be. Yeah, more... that, that kind of thing. I, th I think Wolves could, if, if they can both gel all their new players, both teams... They could even both make a push for the the top half. I don't I don't think that's an un, unrealistic thing for them. But I, I genuinely can't see either of those teams struggling like like Cardiff are and will. You know. Well, yes, that brings me on to uh, Cardiff actually. So after your scouting mission last oh. week, you opted for Cardiff as your guaranteed loser, and you weren't okay. right. But Arsenal were made <laughs> to work for their win, weren't they? I mean, they sort of didn't make it easy for themselves. It is back to back wins for the Gunners under Unai Emery. But um, yeah. that, that defensive <laughs> underbelly, it's very soft, isn't it? And do you think that's going to be the one thing that stops them being in the top four coming into the season? Definitely. There's, there's, no, there's no way this Arsenal team are finishing in the top four. They, they, they look fragile. You know, in fact, dare I say it, they look like Spurs did a few years ago. They look, they look like they've got too much for soft underbelly. You know, it's like... You, you kind of think, I know Lichstein has probably passed his absolute peak, but Bearing has not had the best of starts to the season. You'd be tempted to throw Lichsteiner in, you know? Yeah, I think you would, to be honest. I think they need just a bit of a, a calmer head at the back, don't they? I know sort of full-backs exactly, full yeah. seem to be in vogue at the moment, don't they? They seem to be the new wingers, but that's all very well if you've got a very solid platform to allow these kind of players to search for. But Arsenal don't really have that, do they? So if they've got the likes of Bellerin trying to get into the final third and they've got these deficiencies in the centre of the park and at the back, you think, well, it's not really... Right. I think they need to sort of temper it slightly, don't they? But um, also yeah. in terms of... I mean, that, that was that was a great game. Did oh, you, yeah. Did you catch... Uh, yeah, it was a great game, to be honest. I mean, sort of, begrudgingly, you have to sort of give Arsenal their due because yeah. away from home, it's very easy, you know, to, to go in front, but then you get rattled by a team that want to take a big scalp yeah. and then... They get level and you get in front and they get level again. You think, oh god, like you know, that's two points drop. But Lacazette's finished at the end. Poof, it's like a howl. Oh, it's, it, like was, a it was wonderful. It, like? it was wonderful. I mean, to be honest, it's like it was a great and yeah, you touched on that. But there was a, there was a great atmosphere at Cardiff as well. You know, I mean, their fans were still sort of trying to cheer and roar them off. Um, you know, <laughs> even when they went three two down right near the end. But yeah. 
that was it, and that that's what you expect. I mean, you've got the two players who cost them north of sixty million quid, Obama Young and Lacazette. You know, both scored. You know what I mean? M- Mustafi actually, he sort of, I don't know, he kind of looks like he does really good stuff, and then he sort of looks like he does really awful stuff. What what do you make of him? I just don't think he's consistent enough. There's a good defender in there somewhere, yeah. but yeah, you know, if, you, if we're comparing him against a Van Dijk or an Alderweireld or, you know, I don't know, even someone at Chelsea like a, a David Luiz. I know he's a bit of a bomb scare at times, but he just, for yeah. every, I don't know, let's say for every five games, three of them are, are good, but it's the two that really let Arsenal down. It's big moments and big mistakes mm. that, I mean, it's something you could say about the Arsenal team in general at the back when it really matters as of late. But yeah, I just yeah. don't think, yeah. if that's the kind of, you know, their sort of capability at the back, yeah. it's not a, I, I agree. Um, so carry on. Yeah, no, I was just going to say whilst we're on this, and before I forget, um, Scott at the Coy's Life asks, are Cardiff good enough to avoid relegation? Um, I'm saying definitely not. I, th- I think they're going down bottom. But what, what about you, Dan? Well, thanks for the question, Scott. Um, certainly a good one. To be honest, I don't think they've got enough in them. I mean, they'll... They won't disgrace themselves by any by any means, but I just don't think they've quite got the quality. I mean, when you look at what Wolves and Fulham are doing and spending 100 million and sort of already looking comfortable in the Premier League, Cardiff look like they're going to take a while to mm. get going, and then you do sort of wonder if there's going to be sort of too much of a gap to um, to sort of make up come yeah come Christmas. Uh, I agree, unfortunately. Um, let me let me ask you a question. Obviously, we know about the uh, the kind of super agent at Wolves, and that kind of explains that one. But to to an extent, why why is it Wolves and Fulham can come up and sign players like you know Scherler or you know who or Rui Patricio and Maxim Lemarchand and players like this? Why can they sign? players like that and established Premier League clubs struggle to I, think, Do, I, I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that because I've been mulling that over a little bit this week I think in the case of Wolves it is certainly down to the agent isn't it I think you're buying into this sort of project and you're all about being in the short yeah. window for players like Ruben Neves it's give us a great 24 yeah. months at Molyneux you'll be an absolute star somewhere else and those players are happy with that they want the foot yeah. in the Premier League to to go on to bigger things. And that, you know, maybe that's a sad indictment of where football's gone, but that's how it is. For Fulham, I think the fact you're in the capital is a huge sell. Um, that, you know, location is a uh, a big benefit over, you know, we say established clubs, but if you look at someone like, I don't know, like Newcastle, they've been more in the Premier League often than not. But if, yeah. if, a, if a Brazilian forward can go and live in the bright lights of London or go and live in Newcastle, then it is a bit of a no-brainer. Um, Fulham have got pockets of cash with their billionaire NFL owners. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you say that, but then, all right, say for example, you're offered fifty grand a week to play at Stoke, or you can go and play in the MLS, have a relatively easy life, and go and live in New York City and get paid at least that much. <laughs> what, what would you do? Move to Stoke or move to New York? Do you know what I mean? I've I've always wondered this. Why would you do that and not that? You know, seems a weird one. I think that but yeah, you're right. L- London, London's the thing. So yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. I think obviously, if, you know, if you're tossed up between Stoke and the MLS, it all boils down to where you are in your career. If you're north of thirty right. and you're like, okay, well, I could go and play in the Championship for decent enough money, but do I really want to be? Yeah. Sort of yeah. Not clogging, but you know what I mean? Like I'm probably dropping down a step. Or I can go into perhaps semi-retirement, it's a bit of an unfair term, but a much easier life with much brighter weather, still earning a bucket full of cash, playing a little bit less football at a lesser tempo. I, 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 I get it, but say, say you're more like just an average player that's only ever going to play for an average team and you're never going to hit the heady heights of like David Beckham or Neymar or Messi or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, why why wouldn't you do it? Do you think they still have in their heads, like, a dream that maybe one year they will make the breakthrough and a big club will get them or something like that? I think so, perhaps. I mean, you sort of, you want to keep going because you don't want to be told your career's over. I mean, perhaps there's an argument for more English players should go abroad and why not broaden their Mm. horizons. We're seeing it with... 
um, sort of the young game, and sort of eight, exactly, yeah, the Bundesliga, and which is quite refreshing, I find. You know, we're seeing players that are good in the youth um, teams in England and all that. Yeah. And yeah. They're hitting a sort of plateau by sort of 20. And you think, OK, well, mm. I want to keep playing football. And it maybe even if it's a lone it, it, it's a, 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 and, and Germany has a much, much healthier culture in general in in terms of, you know, obviously we've had the, the Ozil Gundogan thing. Um, you, you know what I mean. But generally it has got a slightly healthier culture there, especially for younger players, you know, like... They really do look after the players and develop them well over there. So it, it kind of makes a lot of sense. So anyway, anyway, we've gone off on a complete tangent there. What, what what's, what's the next thing? That's right. We're just freestyling it tonight. It's fine. Absolutely we fine. We are freestyling. We are yeah, freestyling. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we bring it back round. Actually, this will dovetail nicely. Let's talk about a German goalkeeper, Bernd Leno. So Czech's distribution oh, yeah. is somewhat shaky at the back, it must be said. At the same time, is it perhaps unfair on him that he's been called to play this kind of game because it's no doubt he's a good goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. He's just not very good with his feet, is he? So it's sort of he's been sort of wedged into this new he's, style he's of not play. That keeper. No, is is not is no. not that kind of goalkeeper. He's he's like one of the last of the kind of old school keepers, you know, like Buffon or Cassius and so on. You know what I mean? They they did have good distribution, but their their fundamental role they were still in that last generation of you're a goalkeeper, you're there to keep, you know, the other team from scoring, literally. That is your job, you know. Since since Manuel Neuer has kind of swept through Europe, you know what I mean? Because you, you did have Latin American keepers who, um, you know, played that kind of thing. I mean, Rene Aguita thought he was a striker anyway, you know what I mean? You, you had players like that, but Neuer kind of stabilised the role and spread it throughout Europe and essentially revolutionised how goalkeeping is. So it's rare that you now get keepers who haven't been following from Neuer's influence. You know what I mean? He's, he's changed the game that much. And to ask Petr Cech to do it at the age of 35, 36, whatever it is now, is is completely unreasonable. And the, the problem is, why did Arsenal pay... 50 million quid for Bernd Lino, who is an exceptional keeper, by the way. I watch a lot of Bundesliga. Um, why did they? Why did they pay? Why did they pay all of that money for him to not play him? Well, it doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, I know Carl intimated a few weeks back that you know maybe he's sort of bedding in, but surely that period's sort of done now. So maybe has he been called into the latest German squad? I think perhaps if he comes back from there. He might get a go, but you are sort of wondering, when is his time going to be? I mean, are we, is he going to be drip-fed cup games and then see how he gets on there? Are we waiting for a huge aberration from mm. Czech to, for him to be finally dropped? I mean, he, the way he's sort of playing at yeah. the moment, he looks like he's got a huge mistake in him, and it's only going to be a matter of time. Because mm. rightly or wrongly, like I said, you know, he's playing the kind of football he's not suited to, and it's unfair on him, but he is riding his luck a lot at the moment. I mean, it only needed Harry Arter to put that chance away after, what, six, seven minutes on Sunday. And yeah. He would have yeah, been yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I mean, a bit like um, Allison did. Yes. Liverpool, well, we'll, uh, we'll go into that now, actually, on the theme of goalkeepers. We've got a few goalkeeper-based uh, questions. So, Liverpool, oh, okay, cool. Liverpool's man between the sticks was more like Allison from accounts rather than Allison Becker at the weekend. Hey. <laughs> hey, got yeah. in. But, um, I mean, ultimately, it didn't cost the Reds in the end. But is that a case of lesson learned for the Brazilian international? Because that brain fart's out of the way. But if that is going to happen, you want it out of the way sooner rather than later. Otherwise, that kind of thing could happen in a real high-profile high, high fixture, such as, I don't know, mm. like Champions League final, i.e. Carrius. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I kind of feel like goalkeepers, when, when they do make fairly rare mistakes, it's very harsh the amount of, you know, kind of attention, criticism or whatever they get, because it's part of the job. They are going to make mistakes. You know, it's like strikers. Okay, maybe Lukaku against Spurs probably got slightly crucified for missing that. But on the whole, unless they're really, really bad, they don't get punished for missing, you know, on the whole, midfielders don't, you know, if they're there to defend, they don't get absolutely hammered for a missed tackle leading to a goal in the same way. Do do, do you know what I mean? It's like 
the the goalkeeping mistakes seem to get punished way harder than other players not performing to full capacity. Oh, they absolutely. But I guess that's because if you sort of use your examples, if a defender or a midfielder makes a mistake, more than often than not, there's still like a phase of play that needs to happen before the goal. Yeah, no, no, I get it. But okay, so say for example at the weekend, Harry Harry Kane missed a, missed a header, that 99 times out of 100, he's going to score, right? Yeah. And I, I can't even remember that being mentioned at all. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Yes. But that header would have put us 2-0 up and we would have won the game. So did Harry Kane's missed header cost us the game effectively? Yes, actually, it's a very good viewpoint. I mean, looking at like that, I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's because goalkeepers are so under the microscope, aren't they? That everything they do right. is magnified to the power of a thousand. And yeah, I mean, you, yeah, exactly. And you look at like Hugo Lloris, for example, when when he makes an error. And do you know what? I I always thought that was incredibly harsh, especially when it was coming from our own fan base, because you know. Everything is done for the club. Stayed with us when he was probably our only truly world class player. Didn't have to, and blah blah blah. You know, you know the whole story. And people saying, "Oh, we need to get rid of him." And you're thinking, like, do, do you know what I mean? He probably saves us. I, I'd say triple the amount of points he costs us. You, do, do you know what I mean? And I, I feel that's the same for any top keeper. You know, I mean, like I remember Carius. Apart from that mistake. He was lauded and quite rightly as stabilising that Liverpool defence after Christmas as being one of the main two reasons of Liverpool's incredible run of form post-Christmas last year. The other one being bringing, bringing Van Dijk in, in the sense that Klopp picked a number one, stuck with him, and he made, what, like two, three errors in, over the course of the whole season? Because he made one in the Champions League final, he got crucified for it. And that, to me at least, isn't right. And I don't think Alison Becker should get crucified for that mistake either. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you are right. I mean, when you weigh up, I guess, a, a net um, sort of profit and loss of um, what a goalkeeper does and what he earns you and what he loses you. Like I say, Hugo Lloris, for example, he gets you out of the mess so many more times than the mistakes he makes or the stuff that he does that leads to a goal but I guess it's all about moments and timing like for example yeah um you can do all that work as a, a goalkeeper for Carrius and then because he makes a mistake in the Champions League final it erodes all that credit in his account do you know what I mean but but should it is what I'm it asking. shouldn't but unfortunately we as fans and we all know that football fans are very short memories it's all about what have you done for me lately so you can forget what you've done in the last... Apart from me, I feel like I'm a calm, like, boat of reason in a in a stormy sea. You know you know what I mean? It's kind of like... I, I, I do feel like he was an integral part of the team that got them a fourth place up to a very close to a third place finish and got them to a Champions League final, you know, which is way more than Liverpool fans, if they're being honest, hand on heart, before the beginning of that season, would ever have dreamt of in a million years, you know? Yeah, but unfortunately, like I say, it's just, it's all about the here and now, isn't it? You're not, because it's, you know, the, the magnitude of the occasion and such, it's just um, the way it is, really. But if we carry on with Fair. goalkeepers, Marcus Bettinelli has been called into the England squad, he made a penalty, yeah. penalty save on uh, Saturday. I don't think that was the immediate reward. I don't think it was just to that. But what do you make of his call-up? I mean, we're in that sort of, I guess, drop-out territory, aren't we? You know, we sort of all oh, the, the twinges are a little bit more forthcoming now the World Cup's out of the way. So is it just it's, more down to it, like the chance to give you know experience? What, it, it, it's going to sound... It's going to sound terrible, if I'm being absolutely honest. But I... I didn't even know he was English until oh, I we got caught know, up. I, I did that today. <laughs> I, I, That's so when, bad, isn't it? <laughs> I, I know, it's so bad. But like, Because when, when, I'd seen him, obviously, for Fulham. And I was like, oh, Bettinelli, right, is probably Italian or something. Exactly you, know, you know what I mean? Or maybe Argentinian, because they have a lot of Italian surnames. And then it was like, and then it was like Gareth Southgate calls up Marcus Bettinelli. It was like, hey, oh, okay, yeah. he's English. So, right, cool. You can tell. Still, yeah, he looked 
It's good, I think. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's we do seem to be well stocked in their goalkeeper options. I mean, even if you sort of what Nick Pope's injured, so that's probably the call up there. You've got Hart. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them all playing at Burnley, aren't they? Hart, Heat, and Pope. Yeah. So there are options yeah. if Fraser Forster ever gets sort of back into form. You've got McCarthy. Yeah. So it's um, a well. And obviously Pickford. Yeah. Yeah, of sure. course. Yeah. yeah. It's a well-stocked area, but um, I was looking at the squad, actually, and I looked at the the strikers or forwards, and there's a, a paucity of attacking options. It's Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford and Danny Welbeck. Now, is that cause of concern, or yeah. is it due to the changing shape of formations that we don't really necessarily need a lot of what you'd call out-and-out strikers no, anymore? No, we, we, we don't need them anymore. It's just the way of the modern game. I mean... Go, go, even going back to Spurs, what have we got? Kane and, you know, Llorente and that's it. It's like, you know, in terms of actual out-and-out strikers, really, um, you don't need them, do you? If you're going to play one up front, why why, why do you need, why do you even need three? I mean, I suppose if one gets injured, I, I guess it makes sense. But no, I, no, I don't think you do. And you kind of look at our midfield attacking options, and we've got so much quality there now. You know, there's like Sterling, Alley, Wingard, Rashford, and on and on and on. I mean, Loftus-Cheek looked good in glimpses at the World Cup, didn't he? I, I, think, I think we're in good shape, actually. Yeah, I mean, we're going to this newfangled Nations League with, uh, I guess, the mm. mood. There's going to be a wave of optimism off the back of a, a good tournament in Russia. So, I mean, how is this going to all pan out for you in terms of Southgate's next few steps? Um... God, I mean, does it actually matter? This? I mean, it, I guess. Sorry, I'm finding it hard to. I, lo- I love internationals. I, I really do. I mean, for me, it's still the pinnacle. But I'm, I, I'm still viewing these as essentially glorified friendlies. Basically, you know what I mean. Does Does anyone really care about the League of Nations? Well, I mean, this is it. It's, it's a bit of a tough sell, really. I mean. The fact it's got elements of promotion and relegation does give it something. So, I mean, England are in the, the top league at the moment, but they've got mm. Croatia and Spain. So, there is every chance they can finish bottom of that group. And then oh, yeah, for sure. Be in League B next next year, I guess, and then be playing sort of second-tier nations such as Ireland and Denmark. No disrespect to them, of course. but and then I mean, spe- spe- I think, sorry, just as you touched on it, I think Spain were... I think again that their World Cup was a little bit of false economy because they had a lot of players that went very very deep into tournaments and had very very long long seasons. You know, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think they'll be that bad again. You know, no. we're we're, we're going to probably fill the the backlash of that actually on Thursday. Is it? I think. I think I think it's Saturday, isn't it? But they got. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's how much we care. Just, uh, <laughs> but um, Spain will have. Wait, a lot when, of... when when's the other one then? There's Spain on Saturday, I believe, and there's a friendly against Switzerland in the following midweek, and then we played Croatia uh, that's it. in that's October. It. So that's the one. Sorry, yeah. But Spain will have sort of something to prove with um, you know a disappointing World Cup by their own very high standards, a new manager in Luis Enrique. So you know, start of a new era for them, but. I guess it's just going to be, you know, I guess for one game it's going to be like, yeah, go England off the back of the World Cup, but then come October, we'll be in the rigmarole again, won't we? And it'll be like, oh, international football, just get us to the tournament. So we'll have to see how it pans out. I mean, it could be worse. It could be a bona fide international friendly. So at least there is some element of interest, but I don't know. That's. I think that was the idea. The theory behind it from FIFA was to, you know, kind of get rid of meaningless friendlies, so-called, right? But they are just friend. They are essentially friendlies. I can't imagine all of these players from all of the top clubs in Europe are going to go be going hell for leather and risking injuries, are they? At this early in the season, you know, it's I don't know. It's it's an, it's another money making exercise from FIFA. Let's let's be honest. That's what it is. FIFA and UEFA. You know what I mean? It just is. I mean, the benefit from the teams in the top tiers, you're not really going to see it, but. The fact that one nation in Group or Level D does actually then go into Euro 2020 through some sort of elongated qualification process. Oh, yeah, that's so right. So there is some sort of tangible benefit, and I guess that mm. gives it sort of them. But then even then, you're sort of thinking, 
do someone like Georgia deserve to be at Euro 2020? You know, is it becoming too much of a sort of bloated... I think, you know what, I think that's another podcast for another day because I'm going to be here for an hour otherwise going into all of that. Okay, well... If we can certainly discuss that um, later. Yeah. Okay. Oh, just just the, to, to sum up, no. Right. That's, a, so, that's yeah. the succinct version. And later in the season, we'll get the full one-hour unedited. That's, that's the one. We'll do, we'll do a special when Georgia are about to qualify. Or the Faroe Islands or someone, you know. I look forward to it. Okay, let's move back to the Premier League then. So, um, Liverpool, they uh, go into the break top of the table with maximum points. And another team that do so are Chelsea, who worked their way past Eddie Howe's Bournemouth eventually. They needed a goal from Pedro to open the deadlock with about 20 or so minutes to go. One that Marcus Alonso played a major part in. However, JS, do you think he was fortunate to still be on the pitch after he's coming together with Adam Smith in the second half? Because if Chelsea go down to 10 men, chances are that Bournemouth get at least a point from that game. Hmm... Uh... Uh, I guess it's that kind of thing, like, was it on purpose or not? I think, to be honest, I think it was on purpose, to be honest. It's it's good games. It's the kind of thing you'd want to see from your team. If, say, I don't know, Ben Davis or Danny Rose did that, you'd be sort of going, yeah, take the foul, slow the play down. So it's it's clever. Mm. Yeah, I... You don't want to Jesus. see it, but it's. A... I mean, I mean, he already had one, didn't he? Was it against Stoke? I think he should have been sent off. I think so. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> it's quite, it's quite lucky, isn't he? He's quite know? lucky, but yeah. I don't know. It's, you'd, if you'd be incredibly miffed if he got sent off. If you're a Chelsea fan, you'd be like, that's what that on. was. That was how I tried to think of it as objectively as I could. Yeah. You know? I mean, if 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 it was Spurs and say it was like Danny Rose or Dembele, I, I'd have. I'd have been a bit disappointed if that was a red, so no. Fair enough. What's your um, report card for Mauricio Sari after the first month in? I love him. Oh God! <laughs> I was saying this as a Spurs fan. I shouldn't be shouldn't be saying these things out loud. But I, I was saying like, I, I mean, I, I've got form on this. I was saying as um, early as April on my Twitter account how much I loved. Napoli, because I, again, I, I watch a lot of Bundesliga, but I watch a lot of European football in general. And in the in that kind of, you know, the monochrome era of the 4-2-3-1 or a variation on a th- theme, he, he sort of did a variation on the traditional 4-3-3, which was a basically compressing space, high pressing, Keep everything very, very narrow and down the middle, so it, you so the four three three suits break break up play and then play on the counter, and it is just magic football. And for a manager to have worked out how to break the the matrix code of the four two three one, and actually get effective results of it, and run Juve the closest they've been in years in in the Italian league was incredible and then when the the rumors started about him going to Chelsea I was like oh a bit gutted you know what I mean because at the time <laughs> everyone was still talking about um Pochettino to Madrid and I felt if that had borne through I would have loved sorry at Spurs because he it would have suited us as well and what I'm really pleased about it doesn't matter who it is it, it, I'd have said this about any club if if he'd managed to implement sorry ball in the Premier League as effectively as he already has, without any time to bet it in, it's it's a work of genius. And to be honest, I'm I was looking forward to seeing it in the Premier League, no matter whether it was Chelsea or not. Do you know what I mean? And now he's done it. I think it's brilliant. I mean, I, I I've been an advocate of him since he was at Napoli. So. Basically, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm kind of loving it in a football way, hating it because it's Chelsea. If that makes sense, it makes perfect sense, and you know it's, it's certainly been refreshing. You know, you, mm. gradually, um, I guess they've got to get some respect. I mean, four wins out of four, you can't complain with that. They've ground out wins they've had to, and they've mm. they've looked good as well. So they are. It's, gonna... fu- it's fun football, isn't it? It's yeah, a absolutely. Fresh air in. In that possession-based four-two-three-one variation on the theme thing, you know, it's it's revolutionary in context in this era, 
And I'm, I've got to be honest, I'm surprised at how quickly he's managed to implement his ideas on that team. You know? Well, yeah, that's, that's it really for me. Because to get off to such a flying start, you know, we mm. can talk about teams that need to bed in with new systems, new ideas, new players, but, you know, they've. There's well, Emery at Arsenal. Absolutely. You know? you know, it's the yin and the yang, really. But yeah. you just mentioned Marcus Alonso and. You know, fullbacks seem to be in vogue, and that's the perfect example, isn't he? Because he is playing almost like the furthest forward on the left yeah. hand side at the moment. Yeah, um, did, he did the same thing at Napoli. I mean, it's literally the same thing he did at Napoli last year. His his left back, I can't remember who it was uh, off the top of my head, but I remember thinking that last year. The one thing, yeah, and Alonso is very well suited to that. Sorry, just to address that for, uh, specific thing, he. I thought Alonso was pretty much their best player, maybe except Kante last year in, in quite a poor Chelsea team. You know what I mean? Like, he, he was good last year and has started off the season to an absolute fire. The one thing, um, before we move on from Chelsea, that has really surprised me is that when he brought in um, Jorginho, again, still can't pronounce that, or is it just Jorginho? I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to overcomplicate it. Is is that he's he's playing further back than Kante? I really thought Kante would be the one to anchor the defence, and then Jorginho would be the one to go a bit further forward. But he's done exactly the same at Napoli. Um, is he's the one anchoring everything, and Kante's playing much further advanced than I've ever seen him play. Actually, yeah, that's a huge surprise. He's almost box to box this season, isn't he? Whereas last yeah. season, the last two, he's just a shield. And now yeah. he's sort of, you know, not quite the sort of number 10 role, but I guess sitting in between a 10 and a, and a DM, but playing absolutely perfect. It's like an 8. It's almost yeah. like an 8. An like fashion an 8. Like Paul Lintz. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. Like a gazer, almost, you know. Yeah, I mean, they are going to be ones to watch Chelsea. There's mm-hmm. another team with 12 points. Whether they can last the distance, I don't know. Many thought it would be Tottenham, but unfortunately for us, it's Watford. So, um <laughs> You've already vented yeah. about Spurs, so we, we won't talk about that much more. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, are we doing Watford a disservice? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I, I said this before the game. They're a really good side. It's going to be a really tough game. You know, there were Spurs fans. I always run a kind of thread about Spurs games. and There were people saying, oh, we're going to win 3-0, 3-1. Someone even put 4-1. I said, no, it's going to be really, really tight. They're a good team. Um, not even in that patronising way, but they are well organised. They're well structured. They've got some excellent, you know, attacking players, and I like them. I, I think, I think, like I said earlier, I do think the two set piece goals slightly skewed the the scoreline and how we're viewing that. Do you know what I mean? I don't think. I think Spurs played pretty well, actually. Largely, we just got undone by a couple of set pieces. And the first one was actually a thing of beauty, wasn't it? I mean, I, I don't think any team in the world were defending against that ball and that, that finish. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it was picture perfect, really. And yeah, Troy it was. De- Troy Deeney just looks up for it this season. It looks a lot sort of uh, slimmer, more raw. It was yeah. always going to be a handful, yeah. but he just he looks more up for it this season, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, and I, I think Watford started really well last year and tailed off a bit. Um, I mean, they don't have Europe... Uh, I think they could do all right this year. They might even push for a Europa spot or something. You know, I, I, I don't think they'll be there there at the end of the season. Do you know what I mean? I don't think they'll be top four. I, I don't think they'll be top six actually. But I don't think seventh or eighth is actually that much of a stretch. I mean, we we talked about Watford at length last week, and it's all about sort of what they can do after Christmas because we've seen this before. Mm. Great mm. starts. You know, this is the the best start they've had. But you know, it's the the same sort of process where it's good up to sort of Christmas, you know, be like top six there or thereabouts, then it just falls off a cliff. So mm. they look much more stable under Javi Gracia. Um, home form certainly is much better. Oh, but, but yeah. Whole element of stability there. So there's no reason for it to dramatically drop off after Christmas. So you, you get the feeling that they should really be a top half team, shouldn't they? I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I have nothing else to add to that. To that. The, uh, the surprise package last season was Burnley, and their Euro exploits have come to an end. They've been to such holiday destinations as yeah. Turkey, Greece, and Scotland. 
Yeah. And uh, whisper it quietly, but you get the feeling that them being out of Europe might just be a good thing. For them, it's definitely a good thing. Um, yeah, that that's going to help them. I, I expect them to sort of be challenging for Europe again. You know, you know what I mean. They've, they've obviously not had, you know, well, <laughs> they've had a shocking start. Let's let's call it what it is. But now now Europe's done. I expect them to stabilise and you know start moving swiftly up the table again. You know, you know. Because for them, their season starts now, really, doesn't it? I agree. Absolutely agree, yeah. It was a little jaunt. They've got a tough away trip. I think it's Wolves as their next game. But um, I think, you know, it might take them a couple of games. But then I'm just looking at it now. It's Bournemouth at home after that. And I expect them to start, yeah. And then it's Cardiff away. What else they got? Yeah, I, I think they'll. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll. And then it's Huddersfield at home. You know what I mean. So, I think. I think they'll start to really pick up very quickly. Actually, yeah. Yeah, you get the feeling that once they get one win, then they should sort of find their sort of rhythm. They've got favourable fixtures coming up in the next sort of five. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. let's get to a quarter of the season in the sort of down the line, and then you're sort of thinking if they can get, I don't know, nine points, ten points, all of a sudden the the picture doesn't seem so bad, does it? So we'll have to exactly. see how that pans yeah. out for Sean Dyche's men. But the team that beat them was Man United, and they returned to winning ways after back-to-back league defeats. Mm-hmm. Lukaku gets a double, and uh, in a week where Mourinho's making the headlines for claiming, you know, he wants respect and all this, and you know, just <laughs> having a whinge, he um, he got a win, but it wasn't the perfect result because Pogba missed the penalty. Rashford mm. got a red card for mm. was it quite a headbutt? I don't know. It's more like. What do you make of it? Because you can't really condone people sort of aggressively moving their heads, but there wasn't much in it, was it? I mean, for you, there, there, there wasn't. But unfortunately, that's all always going to get you sent off. You are right. It's, yes, yeah. you are right. I mean, we can't, like I said, I can't condone people just putting the uh, the, the, note, the head on someone else. I mean, I mean, how long was Rashford on the pitch? About seven or eight minutes. Oh, a handful of minutes. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's an impact sub, isn't it? Yes. Um, I mean. Was Barsley's tackle <laughs> a bit too sort of robust? I mean, should he have seen red? I mean, or was it just really the, the headbutt? Which no, I mean, I, th- I think there's sort of barely a headbutt thing. It, no, I, th- I think you. Unfortunately, it's one of those things. Uh, do I do I think it's a bit soft in relative terms? Yeah, I, I quite. I'm not. I wouldn't necessarily like football to roll back to the Billy Bremner or latterly Graham Souness era, but I, I wouldn't mind it becoming a little bit more physical again. You, you know what I mean? But I, uh, the tackle for me was, was yeah, hard, but it was okay. Um, doesn't warrant him sort of lashing out. Like I'm surprised, actually, because you, you sort of think like Rashford seems like a really quite a sensible young chap, doesn't he? You know? Yeah, he does. He comes across very mild-mannered, so it's not, mm-hmm. I guess, in inverted commas, he's not that kind of player. But he only no, takes... but, well, obviously he is. Exactly. So. He only takes one yeah. sort of uh, moment to like the blue touch paper, and we saw that on Sunday. So he'll yeah. be, and he'll, I guess he'll be frustrated because he doesn't get enough game time as he wants anyway, and he gets this you know, appearance off the bench, and now he's sort of back to square one and having to sit out for more game time. So not ideal for him, but at least... United will um, be grateful they've come away from Turf Hall with three points. Yeah. Keeping the focus on Manchester clubs, let me move over to City. This. Oh, um, there was a question oh, on yes. my, my Twitter from um, Will at World Hotspur. Okay. Would you want Mourinho to manage your club, in brackets, assuming the current manager left? Right, okay. So, as we're Tottenham fans, that's Mauricio Pochettino leaving and Mourinho coming in. So, that's probably the scenario where they swap jobs. Now, mm. I don't know oh, what's a tough yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, oh, I don't know. I prob- I'd say no, because if Mourinho's left Man United, I think he'd then mm. be a busted flush, really. I don't know what mm. else. He- I think he's- I think we're seeing the start of the downward spiral with Mourinho, so I don't think I'd really want him. I'd rather look ahead to sort of the future of a younger manager, someone like a Thomas Tuchel or something like that. So what's your take? Yeah, I, I, no, I, I agree. Def, definitely not at Spurs. Um, I don't like it. I mean, we discussed this a few weeks ago, didn't we? I, I, I You know, we used to have that kind of cocky swagger, the sparkle about him, you know, so even his arrogance was kind of like attractive, you know. 
Whereas now, since Sergio Ramos and the rest of the Madrid dressing room broke him, he's just like sort of a bit bitter and a bit, you know, sort of arrogant, but in that kind of way where it's like coming from a place of insecurity as opposed to complete self-assuredness and it's become a little bit desperate, you know? Oh, yeah. Like... I do agree with him, actually. You know, I mean, I do feel like in this kind of era of clickbait journalism, he should be... He, he does merit and does warrant a, a bit more respect, you know what I mean, than, than he does get from some of our more ridiculous elements of, of our kind of press and media over here. You, do, do you know what I mean? But... He's not helping himself at the moment either. Well, that's it, really. I mean, you can't make a career of trying to be always one up ahead of journalism and then have a whinge when they want to try and have a pop back at you. So he he makes Mm. it well for his own back, doesn't he? But Exactly. It's just a tired act, isn't it? It's a very tired stick. Yeah, I I, I agree. And it's, it's, you know, what he needs to do is, like I said, he needs to check his ego. Um and get on with his job at United, suck it up, you know, maybe actually take a bit of humility and learn that he's, he is at a club that's bigger than him, um, and that's how he should be approaching it, you know. I, I, I don't think, I never thought, I can understand why Ferguson liked him, he wanted someone who wasn't afraid of egos and blah, 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 you know what I mean, like he anointed him as successor, basically, didn't he? But... It, it that got broken at Madrid. I remember there was there was a famous incident where he'd he'd, he'd started dropping Casillas. You know, actually a couple of seasons before he was past his best, and they basically revolted the Madrid dressing room. And they, it, it basically ended up in this huge row with who else but the king of shit houses um, or the god of shit houses. I think we dubbed him the other day. He on did Twitter. indeed. Sergio Ramos, and he basically sort of got in his face and he was like, what did you do? You played for a fucking third division club, we've all won the World Cup and all this, you know what I mean? What the f- do you know? And it had it, 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 gone about two or three months later, you know. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I condone that, but I think the problem is with Mourinho, when you go to a prestige club like Madrid or like United you're going to have some of the best players in the world. And if you're single-minded and you're bloody-minded and you're dropping like one of the great keepers in history seemingly to prove a point, you know what I mean? To sort of uh, almost like pissing on your own territory. You know what I mean? I, I own this place. You know what I mean? You're kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face and you're always going to end up in trouble. And I kind of feel like the same thing's happening at United now you know yes i think it's all, um, it's all starting to catch up with him again isn't it Do you know what I mean? it's not it's not good and to be honest like he needs to go to a place where they don't really have much history they have an unashamed culture of just spending money and that is paris and yeah. that's it that's the only place left for him would would any reasonable club that you know doesn't want a manager to drive them into the ground want them would arsenal want them no i think emery was good was a good choice would would someone like Bayern want them? No, Kovac was a good choice. Even Sissi wouldn't want Mourinho now, you know? Well, yeah, I, I remember writing something similar, that because of the way he carries himself in the jobs he's had, right. he annoys the rivals so much that then he becomes persona non grata. So because of his time at Chelsea, he'll never get a job at Arsenal. Because of his exactly. actions at United, never get a job at City. He'll never be Barcelona manager because of the stuff he does at Real Madrid, do you know what I mean? So yeah. even the jobs he takes, he then sort of can- he cancels out the uh, the nearest team to them in terms of the rivals. So he sort of, exactly. the options get even less and less. So um, I, I, I can see if Thomas Tuchel doesn't win the Champions League or get very close, I can see him getting sacked and Mourinho going to Paris. I, I can see it. And I think, weirdly, it would be a good fit for him because the, the French culturally actually... Uh, you know, I, I know this. I was at, I was born in France, so I, I still have a lot of French friends. They do like a little bit of that cocky thing. You know what I mean? They do like a bit of arrogance. You know, especially in Paris, they'll love that. They'll love him there. 
Yeah, I think he'd actually do quite well at PSG. I, mean, I, I agree. I think he could even win the Champions Absolutely, League. Absolutely, yeah. Again. I was just about Gen- to say that. I genuinely believe that. I think that's the perfect job for him. What I think he should do is take a leaf out of Guardiola's book, leave United now, give himself a year, not a year off, but at least a season, go and chill out, become a normal human being, reflect on what he can do better, recharge his batteries, and go when like the Paris job opens itself up. Yep, I couldn't agree with you more. I think this is exactly how it probably could pan out in the next sort of 18 months, if he has any sense, but... Whether Mourinho has sense, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. But um, let's um, let's wrap up the uh, the final few fixtures because we've got a a hit segment towards the end, so we don't want to miss that out. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Hell yeah. In terms of loser pool picks, Anthony, who was on last week, went for Newcastle and they lost to Manchester City. Only just, though. I mean, it took Mm. a rocket from Carl Walker to... um, Yeah. Oh, what a goal that was. What a goal it was. I mean, perhaps a little bit of complacency from City... In the first half, they thought once we were ahead, job yeah. done. Pretty much, yeah, I, I, I think so. And I think that's the lesson learned. Pep obviously gave them a bit of a bollocking at half time and they came out flying, didn't they? I mean, they what did they have in that game? I, I, I'm not looking at it, but I, I know it was on the border of about 80% possession, wasn't it? Something stupid know. like that. But it was just the same. For... I mean, they deserve to win. Yeah. They did, you know. I mean, they're, they're still winning the league for me. I can't see it. I still can't see beyond them. I think you're right. I mean, even the, the draw against Wolves. But as we said, you know, the big teams, they're all going to suffer at Wolves, I imagine. So once they all have a game at Molyneux, that will balance itself out. So, it's, yeah, City will still be the team to beat. Um, Carl opted for Southampton in his loser pool pick, so he was wrong. So the only two that are still alive are Anthony and JS. So well done to them. We'll, uh, we'll pick up the baton pick up the baton after the international break where we'll sort of get oh, a, a bit. Yeah. Do, do, you know, do you know what? Funnily, sorry, just on the Southampton thing, I was actually having a conversation with my dad who was a, a long-term Premier League scout and he's uh, a Southampton fan. And he was, he was watching some of the pre-season he was just like I don't know where our goals are coming from you know what I mean he said he said we've got strikers who don't know how to do the basics and in the Premier League that's that's gonna kill us basically but you know they got Danny Ings in job done perfect but I think they'll be just about fine in the end Southampton so yeah yeah, if things can stay injury-free, I think that's going to be an absolute key for them, really. But on paper, yep. they should have just about enough. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to pull up many trees this season, but they should just be the right side of the dotted line. And finally, Everton versus Huddersfield. Uh, very quickly, two points dropped, really, for Everton, although still unbeaten this season. So they're not doing too bad, but you just get the feeling they're just missing a little spark up front. You know, they haven't quite got... Yeah. The- yeah, I, I I have nothing to add for that. I, I completely agree. I think Chank, Tosin, 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 whatever looks good. They've obviously got some decent attacking talent. You know, I like their midfield. Do you know what I mean? I love Everton's midfield. Tom Davis, Morgan Schneider, and then Sigurds and Walcott, Calvert-Lewin and so on. But yeah, I think you're right. I think they're, they're a top striker away from being a very good club again, you know. Yep, I can't add anything more to that. But what we can add is our hit segment. What we call it this week is it footballers' teams or fo- or funny football teams? What are we going for this week, JS? I don't know. I think you might need to work on a title for that, Dan. Uh, yeah. Let's go for football teams. There you go. Simple but effective. Wow, wow. So right, I've, have, have you got any to kick us off? I've, I've got quite a few. I've got um, Deportivo Wanker from Peru. And after, Amazing. That, after that, the floor is yours. So hit me with some of your best. Right, I've got an Indonesian team called Seaman Padang. Oh, very nice. Good start. Seaman. So they sound sounds like the worst takeaway curry in history, <laughs> I think. Um, I've got... <laughs> I don't need to tell you where these guys are from, but they're, they're just incredibly named real team, Botswana Meat Commission. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> got the... Uh, the, the exotically named but, but Bahama-based insurance management bears, <laughs> and of uh, uh, a stadium one for the we'll know young boys from Bern, but they play in the incredibly named Wankdorf Stadium. Well, that's excellent. 
and uh, the well, maybe the best one. I'm I'm still probably with Botswana Meat Commission. Is but, um, a very good one. It's uh, the Belarusian team, Dyn- Dynamo Bender, <laughs> and they, they actually, for, for some reason they actually changed their name from. <laughs> from locomotive bender, so, which I think sounds even cooler to be honest. But there you go, dynamo bender. There you have oh, it. Oh wow! <laughs> what an ending. There we go. <laughs> and on that bombshell. No, um, oh, I don't know what to say after that. I, I, didn't, I, was, I'm, I didn't know that was coming. That's not rehearsed or anything. So uh, thanks, Jay. That's some fantastic research on football teams. I mean, if you've got any other comedy teams, please send them in join the international break and we'll do another segment next week but that was fantastic and I must also say JS a fantastic performance this evening running the channels on your own up top a pleasure to be here as always Dan thank you not a problem mate we'll uh, pick up the conversation after the international break so do get some rest because you've certainly earned it and uh, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy this is the Real Football Cast in association with Loser Paul and until next time goodbye Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.